Well, greetings in the Master's name. You can open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 3, first two verses. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It says in those days, those days are when John, John the Baptist was his, he, he was called to prepare the way for Christ, prophesied in the Old Testament. And um, so the, this is, it's, Christ is about ready to come on the scene. And, uh, and so that's those days. And so he's preaching and uh, now he's, he's preparing the way for Christ. And he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so then chapter three um, is about John the Baptist preaching. And then you have the baptism of Jesus at the end of at the end of the chapter. John baptizes Jesus. And then beginning with chapter four, you have Jesus temptation in the wilderness. And when he comes out of the wilderness, uh, you have him beginning his ministry. And so here in verse 17 of chapter 4, you have the beginning of Jesus preaching. And this is what it says in Matthew 4, 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now that's about identical to what John the Baptist said. And that was the beginning of their message. Now, if you turn over to Mark chapter 1, the beginning of Mark's gospel, and in verses 14 and 15, somewhat it's, uh, it's Mark's account of basically the same thing. It says, now, after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. That's interesting, too. All these verses, John the Baptist, Jesus, uh, they all mention the kingdom of God. Um, Jesus came to establish his kingdom. So they preach the kingdom of God. But then the next verse says, saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. So there's those words again. Now, if we go over to Mark chapter six, and it doesn't, uh, show it right here in the Gospel of Mark, but looking at verse 7, I'm looking at verse 7 in Mark chapter 6. In Matthew, the parallel account, Jesus has just chosen the 12, the 12 disciples. And so now here in Mark 6, verse 7, uh, we have Jesus sending out the disciples. He called unto him the 12 and began to send them forth by two and two, gave them power over unclean spirits and gave them instructions. And it says in verse 12, they went out and preached that men should repent. There we have that again. Now, that's beginning of, beginning of John's ministry, the beginning of Jesus' ministry, the beginning of the disciples' ministry. And now we'll go to Acts chapter 2, where we have the beginning of the church the birth of the church in Acts 2, when the Holy Spirit was given. And you know how that was. Um, well, Jesus told him to go after he ascended. He told him to go back to Jerusalem and pray and wait till he sent the Holy Spirit. 
And so they did. And after 10 days, the Spirit came. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. They began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And the people said, what's going on here? Uh, They took notice. And Peter started preaching. Peter started preaching and he put it to them straight. He told them about Jesus. And he went on and said, let's see if I can find that now, what I want. Um, Yes, in verse 23, (coughs) still have some cough, but in verse 23, um, Peter here is preaching to his fellow, fellow Jews. And he says, he's talking about Jesus. And he says, him being delivered by the determined counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't, uh, uh, can't think of the words I want, but he was putting it to him straight. I mean, he wasn't pulling it. He was just really giving it to him uh, straight. And so he went on preaching and talked about how God exalted him, how God exalted Jesus. And so, and in verse 36, he says again, whom ye have crucified, therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made this same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? They were convicted. They listened to the message and they were convicted and said, what shall we do? And Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Then the next chapter, chapter three. Well, at the end of chapter two, we have how the church was growing. And then in chapter 3, we have this account of Peter and John going to the temple and healing the lame man. And that was that was a pretty dramatic uh, situation. I mean, the lame man, he went leaping and praising the Lord in the temple, and uh, it attracted some attention. And so Peter, he, he, uh, he said, if you're wondering about this, he started preaching Jesus again. And then in verse, uh, in verse 19, well, he talked about the crucifixion again, how they had crucified Jesus. And uh, and then he said in verse 19, Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And then if we move on over, I'll get one more uh, account yet as far as uh, the preaching there. John the Baptist, Jesus, the disciples, the, the birth of the church. And then uh, this is in Acts 17. Acts 17, and this is... Uh, uh, as Paul was uh, traveling around in the Roman Empire and uh, preaching in different cities. And here he's at Athens, Athens, Greece. And it was the, um, the home of the philosophers. It says in verse 21, all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or hear some new thing. It's a town of philosophers. And he went to Mars Hill. Uh, I guess the people go on uh, the tours and so on. They they go to Athens and they go to Mars Hill, the Acropolis and so on, uh, historical. But then uh, uh, he, um, Paul was, so Paul preached to him. He preached to these philosophers and he preached about God creating the world. And uh, and then he preached about the resurrection and they thought that was kind of a joke. Um, but uh, he talks about people worshiping idols and how, you know, 
that God calls us to something higher than that. He says in verse 30, the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. So there it is again, Paul speaking. And it says, because he has appointed a day in which he will judge the world, he said, repentance, there's a judgment coming and you need to repent. And there's one other instant yet I wanted to mention in, in Christ uh, dealing with people and preaching. Uh, in Luke 13, Luke 13, uh, it gives an account at the beginning of the chapter. It said there were some people there uh, as Jesus was uh, mingling, interacting with the people. And there were some that told him about this account where Pilate, um, actually Pilate, he uh, did some things if you, in history, I think you can find it, that really antagonized the Jews. Uh, but in this case, he must have killed some Jews and mingled their blood with the blood of the animal sacrifices. And that was abhorrent to the Jews. And, um, and Jesus said, do you, do you think those Galileans were uh, wicked or something that they got that kind of treatment? And then uh, Jesus went on to say, uh, what about that building that collapsed? He said that he caused the Tower of Siloam, and evidently 18 people were killed when that building collapsed. He says, you know, was there something wrong with those people that they got uh, sometimes, you know, when something happens, we, well, what did they do wrong? Kind of like Job's friends, you know, Job, he got to be a bad guy for all the stuff that happened to him. And, uh, and so that's the way we look at things sometimes. But Jesus said, well, he said, uh, thank ye that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem. I tell you nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Jesus said, they weren't any worse than anybody else. We're all sinners. We all need to repent, is what Jesus was saying. And so, so now we've looked at all these passages where it says, repent. Repent. Well, what is repentance? What does a person do when they repent? The, the, uh, the Greek word means to think differently. Uh, the Bible dictionaries said repentance is a change of mind a change of attitude to self and to God. I'll just read some here what the Bible dictionary said. A turning away from sin, disobedience, or rebellion, and a turning back to God. In a more general sense, repentance means a change of mind. True repentance is a godly sorrow for sin, an act of turning around and going in the opposite direction. This type of repentance leads to a fundamental change in a person's relationship to God. In Jesus' preaching of the current kingdom of God is seen the truth that repentance and faith are two sides of the same coin. By repentance, one turns away from sin. By faith, one turns toward God in accepting the Lord Jesus Christ. Such a twofold turning or conversion is necessary for entrance into the kingdom. Unless you repent, said Jesus, you will all likewise perish. That's the negative aspect. Unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. The positive, act, uh, the positive aspect, Jesus also said this, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Repentance is a turning from wickedness and dead works 
toward God and his glory. Turning is a change of mind. I think the I think I read that um, Bible dictionary. A change of attitude to self and to God. A change of attitude to self. And I think that change of attitude to self is simply acknowledging how we look to God. And that's in Romans 3. And that's actually quoting something from the Old Testament. But in Romans 3... It says, uh, starting at verse 10, well, in fact, it says, as it is written. So it's quoting uh, different passages in the Old Testament. As it is written. Okay, we're talking about a change of attitude to self and to God. Our attitude towards ourself is part of repentance. A true attitude towards ourself is a part of repentance. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all going out of the way. They are all together become. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Their throat is an open sepulchre. And I'll just stop there. It goes on. <coughs> but that that's that's a powerful word picture. Their throat is an open sepulchre. He's talk, talk about people that have halitosis or bad breath. Well, their throat is an open sepulchre. I mean, it's not really very pleasant. Uh, but it says here. Uh, uh, we, in our natural state, that's how appealing we are to God. Our throat is an open sepulcher. And <clears throat> do we, do, 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 well, I trust we do. I mean, I think we do, at least in theory. But see how repulsive man in his natural state is to God. Man needs to see himself that way. That's his attitude towards self. Then his attitude towards God is, well, and also is, is what it says here in Romans, Romans 3. Uh, most of you know that verse. Uh, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all in that boat. And uh, attitude towards self. Now, Attitude towards God. Habakkuk says, Habakkuk 1.13, Thou art of pure eyes and to behold evil, and canst not look on iniquity. So God is pure, holy, perfect. He cannot stand any iota of sin. So we have this great contrast. And we know that the solution to sin, of course, is Jesus Christ. But it's not. It's not a, just a run of the mill deal. It's it's it was costly to God and it's not. And on our part, we need to we need to think about how ugly sin is to God. And so that's where repentance comes in. We turn, we turn from, from those things that are abhorrent to God. We turn away. First uh, John 3:8 says, "He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning." 
So a person that keeps on sinning is still serving the devil. Uh, Romans 6. Romans 6 makes it. Uh, Paul's writings are considered to be more, uh, uh, more involved than some of the other writings. Uh, but this is pretty plain here in Romans 6. 16, he says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness? I mean, that's pretty plain. Whoever a person is serving, that's who their master is. And so if a person is, is, is serving sin, if they're living in sin, well, that's, that's their master. But it says you can also be the servant of righteousness. And, uh, and we, we, we make that choice. Now, in ourselves, we cannot resist temptation. It takes the power of God. But we still choose to let God rule our lives. Ephesians 2 talks about what we're like in our natural state. Ephesians 2. says, You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Uh, so, yeah, we come into the world... Okay, we're born dead. Um, when, when David said, in sin did my mother conceive me, it didn't mean it was an immoral situation. It just means we come into life in a, as a fallen, uh, in a fallen state, a tendency to sin. And so we were dead in trespass and sins, and God has quickened us. But it says, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, that's under the control of Satan, among whom also we all had our manner of conversation or manner of life in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. And so that was our natural state. And then it talks about how God, being rich in mercy, and how we're saved, uh, it goes on there in Ephesians 2. But that was what we're like in our natural state. And uh, and then John, first first John two, uh, talks about this also. First John two, uh, fifteen and sixteen. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. It makes a very clear distinction there. And so. So that's repentance is a turning, a turning. And God calls people to turn. Uh, there's various passages, but I just picked out one here. It makes it uh, really uh, straightforward. Ezekiel 18, Ezekiel 18, the prophet Ezekiel in the Old Testament, verses 30 and 32. And he's speaking for God to the people there. He says, Therefore I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways, saith the Lord God, repent. And turn yourselves from all your transgressions, so iniquity shall not be your ruin. Cast away from you all your transgressions whereby you have transgressed, and make you a new heart and a new spirit. For why will you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of him that dies, saith the Lord God. Wherefore, turn yourselves and live ye. It, it, it says turn, turn, turn. That's repentance. It's, it's a <coughs> I heard a minister say one time, Forget what what the route is there in Pennsylvania. Uh, I think there's a a camp there along that road. But anyway, I think I was on that road one time. You're going up this mountain, and uh, you you top the mountain and you start down the other side. But anyway, he said, I think they were on that road, and just as they topped it, there was a cat going across the road. 
And the cat decided, when it, wasn't, it wasn't quite halfway across the road or anything, the cat decided it wasn't going to make it. And so it turned around and it said, he said, while he, while he was, and the cat turned around so fast that while he was going this way to get back where he came from, he was still sliding that way. And he said, that's a good example of repentance. I mean, he turned. Uh, and so, uh, well, I never forgot that illustration, but uh, turn, uh, turn. I mean, uh, he, he turned 180 degrees and he was serious about it. Uh, Acts 26, Apostle Paul. And here, Apostle Paul is talking, he's talking to uh, Agrippa and Bernice. Agrippa, Agrippa was a Jewish uh, ruler or king or whatever. See if it says here, Paul's defense before Agrippa. Festus, yeah, King Agrippa, it says. And it says, uh, before Paul started talking to him, in verse in chapter 25, it says, On the morrow when Agrippa was come, and Bernice with great pomp, and this Bernice, she was a daughter of Herod I, and she was married to her uncle for a while, and then she was living with her brother for a while, and then uh, after they went to Rome, she was a mistress for a Roman emperor and his son. But anyway, that's who she was. But she came in great pomp, you know, and Paul was preaching to them. And uh, and this is what he said to them uh, in chapter 26, verses 19 and 20. In fact, uh, when he got done preaching, um, I'll come back to verse 19 and 20, but when he got done preaching, he said uh, he, was, he, he was given, he was laying it out. And he said, Agrippa, I know you know this stuff. And, uh, and Agrippa said, um, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. He got the message straight, but he wouldn't give up his, his ungodly lifestyle and his power and so on. But anyway, what, what uh, Paul had said to him earlier as far as the, the, uh, <clears throat> the, um, the message, the duty, the commission or whatever that God had given Paul he says in verse 19 of chapter 26, he says, Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all coast of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. And uh, so uh, he was telling the King Agrippa about his experience on the road to Damascus, how the Lord struck him down. He was blinded and... Um, the Lord got his attention, and the Lord gave him this commission. He gave him this ministry that he was to preach to the Gentiles. And it says in verse 18, to open their eyes, turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. There again, turn, turn from the darkness and turn to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they might receive forgiveness of sins, inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. He had a tremendous message. Paul had a tremendous message. God gave him, gave him that message to share. But, uh, and... What was interesting to me in, in, in looking at that this week, I'd never thought about it this way. Uh, it says he showed, and, and so, so Paul had that commission, and right away he started preaching. Well, he preached a little bit to Damascus at Damascus, and then he had to leave because the Jews considered him a turncoat. He started preaching Christ when he had gone there to capture people that believed in Christ, and he started preaching Christ, so they considered him a turncoat, so he had to escape over the wall. But uh, so he preached at Damascus first and then at Jerusalem and throughout all the coasts of Judea and then to the Gentiles. He preached at Damascus. That's the Syrians. He preached at Jerusalem. That's the Israelis. He preached throughout the coast of Judea. That's the Palestinians. 
And then he preached to everybody else. That was interesting. It's all right there. And uh, it says, and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet or fit or suitable, works that fit repentance. And uh, that's what John the Baptist said when he preached repentance and the, uh, the, um, the religious leaders, the ones that were more interested in their power and position came out to hear him preaching. He must have been a powerful preacher because <coughs> usually, like we've, we have this church here in town and we hope people will come. But John the Baptist, he was preaching out in the country and the people went out of the city to hear him. So he must have really been some preacher. Well, of course, the Holy Spirit was at work there too. But, uh, and so these, 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 uh, Religious leaders came out to hear him, and they were the powerful people and the people with positions. So they were more interested in that. And he called them vipers. He called them snakes. He said, bring forth fruits fit for repentance. Show that you've repented. And um, in the last book of the Bible, we still have this message to the seven churches. And it's... Uh, it's uh, sobering what we find here because the message to the church at Ephesus, now this is, okay, Paul on his missionary journey. I'm not quite sure what the time frame was there. Paul was martyred probably about in the AD 60s. Maybe 40s and 50s when the church at Ephesus got started. Apostle John lived to be an old man. He's the only one of the 12 that, that he, although he was uh, persecuted and the Lord saw fit to spare his life. And so he died an old, old man, um, natural death more or less. And, and um, he wrote the book of Revelation. I'm not sure what time frame, but it had been years, years after the church was started. And this is what it says about the church at Ephesus. And this is Jesus speaking through John in, in Revelation chapter 2. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and hast found them liars and hast borne and hast patience and for my name's sake hast labored and hast not fainted. So he's saying, he's saying that uh, you have all these good points, your works, your labor, your patience, you don't stand for evil, and, and you've, you, you try to keep the church pure and so on. You've had a lot of patience. He says, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. So he says, there's, there's a flaw. There's a flaw with you all. And he says, remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent and do the first works. So this church that had all these good points yet, they had some flaws, and he says, repent. And uh, the other churches, you can find it in the other churches too. There were two churches where he didn't call, he didn't um, point out any any uh, any errors. But but here um, in uh, in the church to uh, Thyatira, he said, "I know thy works." This is verse nineteen in Revelation two. I know thy works and charity and service and faith and patience and works and the last to be more than the first. A whole list of good things. 
but they had some serious flaws. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calls herself a prophetess, to teach and to, do, to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her unto a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. So repentance is absolutely essential. One of the um, one of the uh, study helps I was looking into. I think it was another Bible dictionary said repentance contains as essential elements one a genuine sorrow toward God on account of sin. An inward repugnance, or that's a revulsion, a horror to sin, necessarily followed by actual forsaking it. In other words, if a person is truly sorry for sin, they're going to forsake it. And then the third one was humble self-surrender to the will of God. Repentance. I have a, uh, a bishop friend from Tanzania. He's about 60 years old now. And he's going to the seminary up here. I think he wants to get a degree so he has some credentials so he can teach back in Tanzania. Um, but he said uh, he, at the seminary, he said, they don't talk about repentance here. They need to talk about, he's big on repentance. They need to talk about repentance. Well, I wonder if he would come to our church, what he would say. Would he say, y'all need to talk about repentance some more? Um, it, it's, you think about, John the Baptist started preaching. Jesus started preaching. The apostles started preaching. Peter started preaching. Paul started preaching. And they all preached repentance to start with. That's what, that's not, okay, that's not the end of the story. That's the start of the story. We got to see who we are before God and we got to be. It's like it says, like Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are the meek. The person that's poor in spirit sees how bankrupt he is spiritually before God. And then he mourns over that condition. He does something about it. He's meek. And so that causes us, if we're honest with how sinful sin is in the eyes of God, then we turn from it. We turn to God. We accept his help. We accept his cleansing. We accept his power in our lives. That's conversion. Well, just to summarize, as Jesus said in Luke 13, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. And then Peter, in his epistle, said, the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And Hosea, in talking to backsliding Israel, said, Come and let us return unto the Lord. Okay, let's kneel for prayer.